You're listening to the midweek service from Harvest Bible Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Mark Butler. To learn more about us, please visit harvestbibleonline.org. Well, good evening. We're glad you guys are all here. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. And, uh, well, Miss Pamela's not here tonight, so we're going to actually just kind of jump into it. I actually, I'm going to... Uh, share something that somebody asked me to, uh, to teach on. They said, you know, if you get a chance, go ahead and would you, because they asked me a question concerning it, and I thought, well, that's an interesting question. They said, well, I just would like to know if the Bible has anything to say about, about ethics and about conduct. I said, well, the Bible has a lot of things to say about ethics and conduct and some things uh, along that line there. In fact, the Old Testament does, the New Testament does, Jesus did. So I went back and kind of looked at my, and I said, I wonder if I have any notes on that subject, because I, I taught it uh, in our school of ministry. I, ta- I always teach ministerial ethics, and I teach uh, on the subject of ethics and stuff, and come to find out I have a lot of notes on that subject. Uh, and so, uh, you know, basically it's a six-week class, so we're not going to take six weeks and teach it tonight, but we're just going to do an overview and kind of share about some things that, you know, the, as the body of Christ, of what we need to do. And I'm going to give you a lot of, uh, oh, I'm going to give you a lot of statistics. I'm going to give you a lot of things about it. But, you know, when I, like I said, when I usually teach this, I'm teaching it to people that want to go into the ministry or they want to, uh, you know, do something in a sense that's going to be uh, up in a higher echelon or anybody that's going to be in leadership. And the key is that many times in leadership, um, there's a higher standard. Amen? So, but I'm going to try to just share and talk about how we as Christians, uh, D.O. Moody made a statement one time. He said, one guy will read the Bible, but the 99 other guys will read that man. And what that simply means is, is that more people are going to read your life than they are going to read the Bible. So, and more people are going to look at you as a Christian or as leadership or as an example more than, uh, uh, you know, looking at the Word of God. So uh, let's pray. Let's kind of jump right into this. And hopefully I don't go through all, you know, I only brought out a few of my notes here, which is like, you know, 18 pages, okay? So... <laughs> Uh, you know, front and back here, but we're not going to, we won't go through that. I said, I don't want to be like a college lecturer to you, but I do want to share because it's all about our character. And now, you know, God uh, uh, wants to build our character because God wants to take us to places that we can stay at. God wants to give us things. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, I just honor you and love you. And I ask for you, Father God, that your plan and purpose for tonight will come forth. Father, as we begin to share truths from the Word of God, it will just cause uh, thoughts to come, and it'll cause light bulbs to come on on the inside of us. And Father, this is in no way, hallelujah, to bring any condemnation or guilt, but this is to raise us up to a standard to live by and to walk by and to rise up and be the men and women of God that you've called us to be, that you want us to be, hallelujah. And Lord, we honor you and love you, and I just trust the Holy Spirit tonight. Holy Spirit, I ask that you think through my mind and you speak through my lips and you just minister to the hearts of the hearers, not only here, but all those that are watching and uh, that we come to an understanding of, of how you want us to walk and how you want us to act and how you want us to be so that we can receive more of you and all of you that, that you have for our lives. 
So Lord, I just yield myself as a vessel you can use. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for these wonderful folks that are here. Thank you, Father God, for their heart to learn, their heart to grow. Oh, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for it, Father. I thank you. I magnify your name. You're so worthy. You're so wonderful. Oh, I honor you. I just honor you. And I love you. And I worship you. And I magnify your name. And it's in Jesus' wonderful name that we pray. Amen. And amen. You know, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 12, in verse 1, out of the, out of the New International Version, I'm going to read that to you. Samuel said this to all of Israel. He said, I have listened to everything you said to me, and I've set a king over you. Now you have a king as your leader, and as for me, I am old and gray, and my sons are here with you. I have been your leader from my youth until this day. Here I stand and testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I accepted a bribe to make me shut my eyes? If I have done any of these, I will make it right. And then they said, you have not cheated or oppressed us. They replied, you have not taken anything from anyone's hand. You know, when we talk about ethics or if we talk about ministry I like to talk about just life ethics it's funny because I got a lot of quotes here that people that have studied these things General Omar Bradley said this in 1948 he said this he said you know we've grasped the mystery of the atom but we've rejected the sermon on the mount the world has achieved brilliance without conscience and our world is a is a world of nuclear giants and ethical infants which simply means you couldn't believe anybody's words. You know, so ethics is not simply a Christian concept. We know that you have to have ethics in life. You're supposed to have ethics. There's things that we're supposed to do. But how many of you know we live in a world that doesn't have any ethics anymore? Nobody's word means anything. Everything is done. Why? I think it's going to be okay. Everybody's is basically, if they feel it's okay, it's okay to do it. That doesn't, you know, go too well with the word of God. And uh, what happens is... is uh, we, we see some things from the Word of God and we see some things to take hold here concerning ethics because when the Bible talks about Christian ethics, you know, many people hold us to a higher standard than they hold themselves. <laughs> Amen? Uh, they do. And everybody usually judges you by your actions, but they judge themselves by their intentions. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and ethics is more than living right, conducting yourself right. How many of you know that in Christianity, it's a matter of the heart? See, in the Old Testament, it was all about actions, all about you have to, your do's and your don'ts. But in the New Testament, it's all about the motives and the actions of your heart. You know, God's more concerned about your heart than he is about anything else. How many of you know that in the Old Testament, that's why... Moses had, or God had to give the Ten Commandments. How many you know most people, we talk about the Ten Commandments, do we even know what the Ten Commandments are? And yet the Bible talks about that Jesus came to fulfill the law, but he didn't do away with the Ten Commandments. Did you know that? He fulfilled those. And in fulfilling those things, there's still a good guide to walk by. Amen? Did you know that? You know, there's four of those commandments are what we're supposed to do toward God, and six of those commandments are what we're supposed to do toward man. 
right? Y'all knew that, right? So we're going to talk about that a little bit tonight because that's going to be a little bit of foundation. Then we're going to just go over into some other things here. But first of all, you're going to have no other God before me, God said. How many of you know there's a lot of people that have a lot of other gods before him? That's a broad statement. We could preach from now about not having no other gods before me, but many people place their idols. They place so many other things in, in front of God and uh, ahead of him. And but he said, listen, there's no other gods. Don't be serving anybody else. That's why we have a whole society that wants to just basically say there isn't a God. Amen? You know, and uh, uh, it's crazy there. Then it also says you're not going to make before yourself any graven image, which means you're not going to have any idols. You're not going to have anything you're going to worship. You're not going to make any golden calves. Amen? Hallelujah, that they did it and the children of Israel did and began to serve them, you know, because... Nothing should be in between you and God. The next one says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Oh my gosh, don't you just wish this fire would come down to heaven every time somebody used God's name in vain? We wouldn't have to have, we would have half the, United, half the world would be dead. <laughs> Amen. It's like, you know, sad to say, there'd be a lot of Christians dead too. Hallelujah. Amen. And um, the fourth one that's connected with God, it says you got to keep, you know, keep the Sabbath, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Now we know there's been so many wars fought about that, about what is the Sabbath day, what is it about. Jesus clarified that in the New Testament. The problem is nobody really wanted to hear it. You know, we don't keep the Sabbath as a legalistic day that you got to keep the Sabbath on Saturday. If it's, you know, Sunday's the first day of the week, so the seventh day of the week, God worked for six days. He rested on the seventh. And uh, Jesus, when he talked about to his disciples, because they ate bread on the Sabbath, they did all, Jesus broke every Sabbath law. Sorry to try to break your bubbles on a lot of things, but he broke them all. And by breaking all of the Sabbath laws, he wasn't trying to say that that, that wasn't that the commandment was not there. He was basically saying this, is that there's a principle in the Sabbath, because he said, uh, you know, uh, the man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for the man. How many know all of us need to have a day of rest in our lives? Amen? And uh, we wrap it up. And any day that you want to have worship God, we ought to be worshiping God every day. And we ought to be honoring. People go into history. They want to fight against things, you know. uh, But one of the biggest things about understanding ethics or understanding our life with God, God's not a taskmaster. I mean, you know, God's not making you do anything. Thank you for your overwhelming response. You know, you think he is, but he's not. He's not making you do anything. And one of the hardest things for Christianity to do is be balanced. How many of you know you got to be balanced in your work? You got to be balanced in your worship. You got to be balanced in your rest. And you need to be balanced in having fun. Because you know the only way to deal with stress, and we live in a stressful situation, we live under stress. And especially if you want to live for God and you want to do the thing for God, you're going to have stress because people are going to raise you up to a higher standard. They're going to look at you. But you know the only way to deal with stress is to have fun. The only way, the only way to deal and relieve stress is have fun. You mean you got to rest and you got to go do something that you enjoy. So you got to relax. And that's the hardest thing for people to do. Amen. Let me give you number five. Let's look at the next thing. I'm not going to take a lot of time because I want to get down to some things. Next one is you got to honor your father and your mother that your days may be long on, in the land. It simply means we're supposed to honor, take care of, be a blessing. Even no matter what, you still got to honor. You know, you don't have to obey them, but you got to honor them. 
because once you get up older, you, you, know, you're, you get your own thing there. Of course, remember number six is do not kill. Don't murder anybody, all right? Hopefully you haven't done that. You're not running. You might want to, but hopefully you're not, okay? Hallelujah. Number seven is don't commit adultery. Hallelujah. Don't be doing crazy things there. Number eight is don't steal. You shall not steal. Number nine is a big one. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. Don't be lying about nobody. Don't be gossiping. Don't be bringing accusations. You know, hallelujah. You know, and then number 10, he says, don't covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Hallelujah. And why do we share those 10 commandments with ethics? What we do is because there has to be a law and there has to be an order. There has to be rules and parameters. You know, I've got a little saying, R plus R, R plus R minus R equals rebellion. Rules and regulations minus relationship equals rebellion. So if you have rules and, 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 and regulations to whoever, whether you're doing it to your kids or whether you're doing it in a company, whatever you're doing, R plus R minus R equals rebellion. It's going to cause people to rebel because they don't know why you do what you do. They don't understand the meaning of why you want to do that. They just think you're trying to stop them from having fun. You know, when you take the penny out of your baby's mouth and stop them from eating it, they don't understand. They cry. They want that penny. You know, they want that bolt. They want that screw. They want that thing. They want to eat it. And you're trying to protect them, but they're upset. You just took something from them. That's all they know is you're trying to take something from me, that you're trying to stop me from expressing myself. No, I'm trying to stop you from hurting yourself. Amen? It's amazing in the Old Testament, because in the Old Testament, it talked about a lot of things about justice, talked about love, talked about holiness, talked about our responsibilities, talked about all all kinds of stuff. But we're going to go over here into the New Covenant, because going over into the New Covenant is understanding that God wants us to walk in a little thing called integrity. Amen? And you remember, you know, what, uh, uh, actually, let me get some things out here, where it says, in Psalms 41, 12, he said this. He said, as for me, you uphold me in my integrity and set me before your face forever. In Proverbs 20, verse 7, it says, the righteous man walks in his integrity and his children are blessed after him. And so, what do we mean by integrity? It means that you're just men and women of your word. It means that you're going to have to have ethics. It means that your word is your bond. It also means that you're always going to do the right thing when nobody's looking. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to jump around on a lot of things because the Holy Ghost is going to let me. So it's not going to be in order. So I'm just kind of flowing. If I'm going to go down, this is if I was teaching you in a class, I'd say, listen, you better take notes because there's going to be a test on this. <laughs> because you know what Jesus said about his ethics? Let me give you three things that he valued, that he valued in this. And when he taught on ethics, he did this. And these, this is what the, the key elements of when Jesus taught about it. N- number one, he taught about the value of the individual. Did you know that you're valuable? And did you know that whoever you're dealing with is valuable? And that what you do is going to speak so loud, they may not be able to hear what you say. Because your actions always speak louder than your words. Amen? And I heard this phrase a long time ago in my, in my early you know, ministry life when I was 
trying to make sure that I was doing all the right things and wanted to be. And I was like, Lord, how do I handle this? And I remember somebody said this one time. They said, listen, God wants to take you to places that your character can't keep you. And when I heard that, I began to just meditate upon that. I said, Lord, what do you mean by that? He said, God wants to take you to places where your character can't keep you. And what that simply means is this, is that if it's more important about your character than about what you know. It's more important about what you believe in, what you stand for, and what you, how your actions are than all of the knowledge that you have. And then I read about all these guys that would pray, like guys like Smith Wigglesworth and some of these other men of God. They would have prayer, I mean, and they would pray and get so close to the, the, to the presence of God that all the other ministers and pastors would have to run out of the building because they couldn't stand the heat. Because they get convicted of sin. And I thought, okay, I understand that. But God wants to take us to places in our lives. God wants to show us things. And you have to understand, in Christian life, that once we become a Christian, that it's no longer I that lives, but it's Christ that lives in us. And that has to filter over in all of our business dealings, has to filter all, all in all over what we say, what we do, and how we act. And so it, it means that. Because if you ever had somebody say this, well, you know what? It's none of that church's business what I do. It's none of that church's business. I can do what I want to do, you know? I see, and I always tell them, I say, listen, you, what you're saying in this is, yeah, but just don't come to church here. If you're, not, you're part of the family, you're going to mess it up for everybody else. If it's too hot in the kitchen, get out of the kitchen. See, it goes over here. Everybody gets nervous and gets up and says, I'm not coming against you. I'm just teaching a subject here. I'm just helping you to understand how to walk. Because remember what 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6 says, he who says he belongs to God should walk even as, as Jesus walked. Amen? Paul said it in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. He said this. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen? Remember what we talked about also about uh, the whole thing about what Omar Bradley said. He said, we, we know all about the Adam, but we don't know about the Sermon on the Mount. And I think when we, we see this, you know, Jesus' wonderful ethical teaching was probably the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Remember when he said this, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. He wasn't meaning that we didn't have life, but what he was saying is that you have a heart attitude, that you're not trying to make yourself bigger than you are. Amen? Then he said, blessed are those that mourn. Well, how, do you, how, how are you blessed if you're mourning? But if you're mourning over the loss of what's going on in the world, if you're mourning over the sin of the nation, if you're mourning over, well, you're wanting God to turn the hearts of people, then you're blessed. Amen? If you're desiring for that. Of course, blessed are the meek. They're ready to obey God. They have a willingness. Amen? See, that's our heart. See, as Christians, we ought to be the best employees. We ought to be the, the most reliable. It ought to be, man, we can do uh, just amazing things amen we can receive from god and it's so funny because in in my notes i have a uh, uh a cpa given some things about stuff i have a banker that's given things about stuff and and it's funny it says listen if somebody comes to you and they're doing these things and it's all about well hey listen i go to church so you can trust me or i do this and here's this if you'll do and, I, and it's all they're, they're giving all of this stuff here and it's so funny they're saying it's a bad deal it's a bad deal it's a bad deal <laughs> and it's all about christian lingo 
Because like I said, what we do speaks so loud, we can't hear what we say. People don't care. You know, it's the old cliche. They don't care, you know, how much you know. They want to know how much you care. And also, they want to see actions. They want to see that you receive what is, what is happening in your life. And when you're meek, you're ready to receive. He goes on to say, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Simply means that we want to have right standing with God more than we want to have anything else in the world. Amen? Yeah, of course, blessed are the merciful and blessed are the pure in heart, which means we don't have any hidden agendas. We're not looking at what's going to be the best deal for me. Hello out there. I didn't talk to you all. That's good stuff. It's quiet in this church here. <laughs> Amen. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. So we're trying to make some peace here. See, you got to, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is this. The Old Testament was conduct, action, and behavior. And yet we still need that in the New Testament. But it, I mean, in what we now, but in the New Testament, it's character, motives, and intentions. And that's why it's all a matter of your heart. If your heart's right with God, everything else is going to be right with God. Everything else is going to look like this. People can trust you. You're going to be a men and women of your word. There's going to be things that take place. You're going to have love. You're going to have forgiveness. You're going to have all of the things that God said you're going to have. But we have a higher standard. We should have a higher standard. I mean, we should. We should have a a tremendously higher standard than the whole world has. It ought to be man. If this guy says he's this, this is what it should be. Hallelujah. You know, we we understand that, you know, in the New Testament, it's not a rule-oriented thing. We don't have rules. We don't have a bunch of do's and don'ts. Jesus didn't come to give us a bunch of do's and don'ts. He came to give us life and to give that life more abundantly. But he also came to give us a life and his nature on the inside of us. Hallelujah. So it's Christ-centered, love-centered, and it, it, it comes out of a life of God that, no, I don't want to. It's not that I don't care so much about the people around them. I don't want to disappoint my father. And I say that truthfully, I love all of you, because, but I know, you know, it's funny because if you ever had somebody says, I want to make sure I get you before you get me. <laughs> yeah, I, I had a guy, I had, I had a friend, you know, I've had people, I mean, I've been pastoring all my, I've been, so all of my examples are with Christians. I've had good, I've had good success with sinners. <sighs> all of my wonderful examples of difficulties always been with people that supposedly love Jesus. You know, and uh, I did. I had a guy say, he says, I just wanted to get you before you got me. I said, how was I going to get you? He said, I don't know, but I felt like you were, so I wanted to do it first. <laughs> I said, well, God bless you. <laughs> I mean, it didn't hinder me. It didn't hurt me. I mean, I, would, I was over there, but I thought, boy, you thinking that way is, is crazy. But, you know, as Christians, we should have a higher standard. We should have a moral ethics. We should have a natural ethics. Amen. It should be, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to, we're going to always go above and beyond. You know, I mean, the Bible tells us what not to do. You know, it talks about the works of the flesh. talks about things that we shouldn't be doing. We're not going to get over into sin and get you all beat up. But you need to understand the Bible talks about all this, you know, and, and I'm going to read, read a statement. That if you don't get anything else, get this statement right here. In essence, the message of the Bible is this, that not only should people be right in their relationship with God and having a pure heart before him, but people also should act right and live right in this world, treating people properly and living in such a way as to command the respect of others also so that we can lead people to Jesus. 
You know, our whole goal is so we can lead people to Jesus. Remember what Proverbs says, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. Amen? And the Bible in the Old Testament always talks about men and women are men of integrity, men of integrity, men of integrity. You know, and I did an acrostic with integrity one time. I, I did this based on uh, just the word integrity. And I thought, man, if what we're going to be, if we're going to be men and women of integrity, what would it mean? So, so let me give that to you real quickly here, okay? Uh, and, and the word of God has a lot to say about it in that. But if we're just going to look at integrity, you know, I-N-T-E-G-R-I-T-Y integrity first thing about it is the first thing of the letter i if you're going to get integrity in your life is you got to identify with the right thing so it's your identification what do you identify if you say i'm a christian that should speak volumes and that's what it did in the in the new testament in the early ages man when you said you were a christian that was huge now you say you're a christian we're like oh gosh you don't know what that means you know, but integrity simply means the I stands for identification. If you identify with Christ and that's who you identify with, amen? Because not only do you want to take the identification of Christ, but you want to take on him. You want to put on Christ. You want to put on his actions. You want to put on, because you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You want to be like Paul and say, hey, I died, but, but Christ, you know, my, now me and Christ Jesus, we're alive and well. And the life I'm living is a life full of the faith of God. I'm going to do what God says to do. That is, is what God hand is upon me. Amen? What simply means, I don't, not only do I identify with Christ, but glory to God, I'm in him. And if I'm in him, hallelujah, I get it. Amen. I got a good amen on that one. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, and the N simply stands for the name of Jesus. It's a name. It's and. and What's in a name? You ever understand what's in your name? You know that your name is important? It is. It is because it means things. But the name of Jesus is far greater. And so who you are in Christ Jesus and you identify. But the name of Jesus is so powerful that God, he gave us that name. So it's no longer Mark Butler, but it's Mark Butler in Christ Jesus. I've got that. It's Mark Butler. So I, I identify with him and I identify with his name. Why? Because I want to walk in integrity. There's power in that name. Amen. There's tremendous power. And I have a reverence for that. Remember one of the things, you're not going to take the Lord's name in vain. Isn't that one of the Ten Commandments? Amen. You remember I read that, right? That's why we started out over there in the Old Testament to bring you over into it. Hallelujah. And uh, well, how many people use that name in vain? And yet that name is so powerful. That name is the only name where people can get born again. The only name where people can get healed. It's that name. And in that name, we can cast out devils. In that name, we can speak with new tongues. In that name, we can take up serpents. In that name, we can take authority if we drink any deadly. In that name, we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. These are all signs that you have a belief in that name. And you walk in it, and if you believe in it, hallelujah, then you've got an answer for the world. Amen? So the standard in minister ethics is, is that many times you, you can see this, and uh, sad to say that we don't really put the pressure on us that we should or the standard that we needed. Amen? Just like Samuel said, hey, listen, I was the prophet. When did I do anything? He said, well, you didn't do anything. He said, that's right, I didn't do it. But I, and I gave you a king. God bless you all. You got your king. God didn't want you to have a king, but you wanted one, so you get it. Amen? But he, did, he, he was basically saying, in my integrity, I, I've walked in my integrity. David said, I've walked in my integrity. 
Paul said it like this. He said, I have a conscience void of offense, which meant my conscience is clear. I'm not trying, I haven't offended anybody. Amen? Hallelujah, which is really, really cool, you know, in it. And the reason I'm staying kind of a, a long time on the name of Jesus is because I truly believe that we really haven't had a great understanding of that. Because I like, remember in John, in fact, go, to, go in your Bibles, go to John chapter 13. Let me just, you know, we didn't open up our Bibles. Y'all just listen at me, being all nice, relaxing out there. Hallelujah. So look at John, come on. Make you turn in your Bibles a little bit here. And I'm going to read out of the, the New Living, but I think I'll also read it out of the, the King James here. Move this over to here. Hallelujah. John, uh, excuse me, John chapter 14 and verse 13 and 14. John chapter 14. I told you John chapter 13, but it's John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. And uh, we see verse 12 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works that I've done and even greater works because I go and be going to be with the Father. Then he says, you can ask anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask any or ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. I love these verses. I love all the verses that just challenge our theology, challenge our faith. Because the Bible says, if we can do this, well, I did that and it didn't work. Well, that's because you didn't believe in the name. See, because either Jesus lied or you lied, and I'm sorry, Jesus isn't a liar. So you have to, have to, you know, you have to change that. It's so funny when people say, well, I did that and it didn't work. I say, well, God will forgive you if, if you repent. I did the scripture, but it didn't happen in my life. God will forgive you if you'll repent. See, because I'm sorry, I can't call Jesus or God a liar. Well, you're calling me a liar. Well, the Bible says, let every man be a liar. Let God be true. So what do you want me to say? Jesus said, if you ask in my name anything, and you ask it in my name believing, you're going to receive it. Now, we get all nervous because every, the, every religious person wants, yeah, but it's got to be this. It's gotta, you know, you got to tie it in. Everybody wants to, you know, I don't think Jesus was messing around. He just said, listen, but you got to believe in anything. Now, we understand if you're going to live like the devil, act like the devil, and then try to get God to do something, you're not going to get anything. So that's the problem. You don't qualify. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but he said this. He said, hey, so when you reverence the name, when you honor the name of Jesus, you don't want to bring a reproach upon yourself or upon anybody else. Amen. You know, I learned this a long time ago, and I learned it a hard way, you know, that my word would be my bond. And uh, I had a situation happen in my life that was very difficult. And I basically said with my mouth, I said, okay, no problem. This is what I'll do. And I ended up giving half the sale of my house to a person. Thousands and thousands of dollars on my word as a Christian. And I followed through and gave it. And uh, honored God with it, you know, which caused a lot of problems with a lot of folks, uh, you know, in doing it around me. Like, I, you don't have a right. He doesn't have a right. I said, it doesn't matter. I said it. But you don't have to go through with it. I said, I don't have to go through with it. I don't have to do anything. And he doesn't have a right for it, but I said it. <laughs> Amen. Now, see, it gets quiet. And I, I ain't bragging on me. Did I want to do it? No. But I said it. Okay. Did it cause a hardship on me for two and a half years? Yes. Very much so. 
But I said it. And I honored God with my word. I said, God, you said this. The sign of a spiritual pilgrimage is one who swears to his own hurt and changes not. Amen. That's scripture. So I had to do that. Amen. And so I began to just let God say, God, you got to bring it back. You got to do this. You got to, I honor you. And I'm going to, I'm believing you and I'm going to get my heart right. <laughs> you helped me get my heart right. And I'm just, I thank you that you're going to, you're going to deal with this. And you're going to bring it back. You're going to make a way. Glory to God, you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're going to make a way and we're going to be able to be blessed in this thing. And he did. He turned it all around and, uh, and God did supernatural things and helped us prosper and blessed. And, uh, you know, yeah, did I own a home for, uh, no, I didn't. It took three years to purchase another home and uh, God brought it to pass and he made it happen. But I had to fellowship with him, and I talked to him about it. But I had to stand true to my word and to make sure that what God said to do it, I said, Lord, you just have to do it. And he did it. Amen? You see, many times, that's what the Bible says, that when you, when you give your word or your, your actions, you're going to know this is the right thing to do. But you don't have to do it. Yeah, but this is the right thing to do. Amen? We need to do that. We need to have, the world needs to see that, even though they're not going to do the right things. But God's going to vindicate you. As long as you do the right, as long as you have the right, as long as you're doing it with the right heart, God will do great things. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. He will. Yes. Hallelujah. Amen? The next one is, I, next one is truth. Isn't that a big one? That goes right in. I just went right into it because how many know if you speak the truth and you have the truth and, and, and you're going to walk in truth, then you're always going to do the truth. You're always going to do what truth is. You're always going to be truly uh, obedient to it. And then we've all messed up. We've all done things. Don't, you know, we're not putting any fingers about what I'm saying. If we, but if we'll understand the truth of the, and we'll value the truth of the word of God, it'll produce for us. Amen? I mean, it really will. It'll produce. I mean, remember John 16, 13 says, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he'll guide you into all truth. He won't speak of himself, but he'll show you things to come. Amen. It's going to open up our hearts. He says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And when you walk in your integrity, when you know the truth, you say, God, you know my heart. You know that I'm doing all that I know. And of course, if I may not know, because I've made mistakes thinking I was doing the right thing, doing it, and then later on realizing I was wrong. But you know, my heart was right. Thank God for 1 John 1, 7. You know, we always talk about 1 John 1, 9. Y'all are looking at me like, go to 1 John 1, 7. I'm going to help you out here. Y'all are looking at me. I didn't even know there was a say, oh, you're going to give me a license to sin here. No, I'm going to help you out and get out of guilt and condemnation, okay? It's not a license to sin. It's, a, it's, it's to set you free from the condemnation and guilt when you find out you did met, blow it, mess up in your past. Hallelujah. <laughs> 1 John 1, 7 says this, but if we are living in the light or we are walking in the light as God is in the light or walking as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If you're walking in all the light you have at the time and you're doing it with the integrity of your heart and even though you find out later that the word of God does and it shows you that you were wrong, you were forgiven because the blood of Jesus cleansed you because you didn't know any better. Aren't you glad that God forgave you for all your dumb things you did when you were young and stupid and all the things and you're thinking, gosh, how could you look at it? I messed up there, I messed up there. He goes, yeah, but you were walking in all the lights you had. 
Do you know why God doesn't convict you of sin or God doesn't come down and hammer you on all the things you're messing up on many times in your life? It's because you can't handle it. And if you hammer on it, get hammered on, you would fall backwards and you would fall away from God and you would not recover. See, that's why love and mercy always comes ahead of judgment. Yes and amen. He says, well, why don't you tell them? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Because they won't recover. And I'm not the Holy Ghost. And neither are you. God may show you things and tell you things because he's helping you not to fall into that same thing. The Bible says before you take the splinter out of their eye, you better get the beam out of yours. Amen. And here the Bible says, here's what we need to do. is If we see one fall into a sin or fall into a we need to go help them and rescue them. But we need to guard ourselves that we don't fall. But we need to rescue them and help them and get them out and walk with them and say, hey, you know, you're going to come out of this. Amen. I am so glad, you know, because I was young in ministry. I was, I mean, I was arrogant, dumb, and just, I wasn't full of pride in a lot of ways. But I was bound and determined to get things done. And so I did a lot of things wrong. God bless that congregation. I mean, they're just, their crown is big in heaven for letting me learn. Okay? <laughs> Helping me to learn, do things, even if I did a lot of things wrong. Hallelujah. God's amazing grace. Amen? Glory to God. But God's heart for us in the, in the sense of truth is, when you know the truth, you don't flaunt it. You just love to give truth. You want to help people. And if they don't receive it, it doesn't bother you. It you know, hurts your heart, but you pray for them. God, open their eyes. I, they need to do it. Here's our heart. You know, here's what it is. But when you know the truth, you've got to hang on to it. You've got to fight for the truth because people are always trying to take the truth away from you. Amen? And, and that's why you've got to walk in, in, in a higher standard. It is this. You know, you know the world doesn't, doesn't judge us by positional truth. They don't judge us in the sense of where we're this or this or this. You know, they judge us by a higher standard on the basis of, well, you say you're a Christian. And if you say you're a Christian, then you're supposed to act like one, right? I'll give you this example. I, when I was, uh, first got out of Bible school and I was working construction, I was building homes. So I was running a nine-man construction crew. We were building a 3,500-square-foot house every five days, okay? I mean, that's two-story you know, the, the, the staircase inside, that's, uh, you know, holy sided in the roofing on everything, carnage ready for roofers. I mean, we were, we were doing it. I was running. We were just clicking and doing things. But, you know, all nine of those guys were totally unsaved and ungodly. Cuss, just act like the devil, you know. And so, I, and, and, you know, and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to get them to do, you know, what they're supposed to do, plus, you know, building and, and doing my job. And I remember one day they were just hammering, you know, just hammering on me. And there was a word came out of my mouth that wasn't too edifying. And it stopped all nine of them. And they turned around, preacher, what's, what's the deal here? <laughs> That's the first time they heard me cuss. And I, 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 just, I, I just, I looked at them all like, you guys, and it wasn't even a bad word as far as concerning what they were saying. But it was, all of a sudden I realized there's a whole higher standard. I mean, every other word they said was the bad word. I mean, even worse than anything else. I mean, every other thing. And I, and, and I just got frustrated with them. 
you know. But I, I mean, everybody, I mean, they heard it over the sawing and everything. They just stopped. Like, how dare you act like that? And I'm thinking to myself, you guys act like this every single, I mean, every second. But they weren't me. And so I had, to, I had to repent. I had to apologize, say, forgive me to a bunch of heathens. <laughs> I wanted to take my 22-ounce hammer and just hit them in the head with it. But I didn't. I was nice, you know. But here's the thing about it. When you know and you value truth so much, you're not going to lie. You're not going to cheat. You're not going to do You're always going to give the right things. Amen. And so here's the E in integrity. You just gave you the I-N-T there. The E in integrity is, is earnest. It's heartfelt. It's real. And if you're not real, then you know, that, that's one of the biggest difficulties that we have. We need to, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, it says, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we drift away from them. If you don't have that zeal and that heart and that desire in it, and, and really, truly believe that what you're doing is, is truth. And really believe in it. I've never understood that. I've never understood how uh, people can, um, I don't know, they can go to church and go to church and never get excited. They can go to church and go to church and go through the motions and never receive the joy and the peace and they just get excited, get, be so excited about the things of God. And I've been in church all of my life. Thank you for your overwhelming response. Hallelujah. I know. I don't want to be dry, but I don't want to be... Na- I don't. I don't understand why people are like, man, I can't wait to get there. I can't wait to... Da-. You know, I can't wait to get here on Sunday mornings. I can't wait to get here and share the word of God. I can't wait to get it with, meet with you guys. can't wait to see what God's going to say, what God's going to do. I mean, I study and I read the Bible and I build myself up and I read my Bible every day and I pray and me and God have some great times together, but I just can't wait for the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. I get so thrilled. I do. Because I don't ever know what I'm going to say and what he's going to do. And I'm like, wow, I learned so much. It's exciting. And I always have. But I have fun because that's where I'm at most of the time, you know. But I have this earnest, heartfelt desire because I have this thing burning on the inside of me that I want to get as many people saved as I can. But I also want the body of Christ. I'm a pastor, so I want my sheep, hallelujah, to be the best sheep. I want them to be the ones with the best wool. I want them to be the ones that know the most. They can see them. And they're, they're, they're the ones that just shine in front of everybody else. And I believe I have that. I believe that's who you are. So, amen. So, here you go. The next thing in integrity is G, which is uh, godliness. And godliness, hallelujah, goes with holiness. But... Uh, Godliness simply means that you have a reverence and an honor toward God that you truly love him and you wouldn't want to do anything that would disappoint him. I don't want you to have the form of godliness and deny the power thereof because there's a power in godliness. There's a power in what God has. Hallelujah. I mean, when we do this, God wants us to lead a quiet and, and, and godly, have a godly life. God's desire is for that. He wants us to be uh, like him and have that presence. When you have a reverence and an awe for God, you just, you don't take him places he's not welcome. You don't want to do anything that would cause shame. You don't want to do anything that would cause any kind of a reproach to him. Amen? You're just not going to do that. You know, hey, 
and you just desire, uh, you know, do this. Paul told Timothy this in First Timothy chapter four. He said in verse seven, he said, "Don't waste time arguing over godless ideas or old wise tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better." promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Training for godliness. Well, godliness just simply means godlikeness. You know, see, you know, we, when you take the truth of the word of God, it just changes everything about it. I mean, you just want this. You want this godly fear, but you want to let be in a form saying, Lord, I want to be pleasing in your sight. I want to honor you. I have a reverence toward you. I have a worship toward you. And I receive all that you have in my life. We need a lot more godly people that will act like the Lord. Because, see, a lot of people have this thing that, that godliness, you know, they equate that to weakness in the sense where you're just going to let people run over you. How I mean, you know God's strong? Jesus wasn't a weakling. He commanded respect. He commanded. He had all kinds of power. You know, he loved people with a great love, but he didn't put up with anything. I mean, you can imagine if, if, if we talked to our congregations or if we talked to our employees like Jesus talked to his disciples... Man, we'd have therapy sessions. They would be in therapy. All of them be in therapy. Jesus like, where's your faith? How come you got no faith? You know, what do you mean talking like this? Oh, get thee behind me, Satan. He called me Satan. He called me Satan. Oh, my God. He said, I'm the devil. He told me, how many swords do we got? We got two swords. I got one. I cut the, I tried to fight for him. Then he says, Peter, put your sword on. What's wrong with you? Oh, no. Could never please him. <laughs> yeah, we'd be in trouble. We can't do that. We got we to gotta talk to people real sweet, real nice. Hallelujah. Amen. Hurry up. Let's, let's, let's get over. We got to get to the next ones here. Hallelujah. The next one's R. And this one here is rule. How many of you know you got to have rule over your own stuff? You got to have patience in your own soul. You got to have rule over yourself. How do you rule yourself? You rule one member of your body. If you can rule one member of your body, you can control your whole body. How many of you know what that would be? It's your tongue. Thank you. You guys are, see, you guys are so smart. These folks are smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's your mouth, it's your tongue. The Bible says in James, if you can rule your tongue, if you can c- control your tongue, you can control your whole body. That means if you can stop letting that, you know, your tongue jump out there and, and you can speak before your brain is engaged, you'd be a whole lot better. Now, now you need to understand, hallelujah, that the Bible talks a whole lot about your tongue. And it talks about a whole lot about how to have rule over your tongue and how to have rule over your own body. And uh, especially in Proverbs. If you want to have wisdom, you've got to control your tongue. Of course, James chapter 3, verses 1 through 18, talks about that. 1 Peter 3.10 talks about it. And then, of course, Proverbs has Proverbs 12, 6, 14, 18, 25, 13, 2 and 3, 10, 11 and through 19 through 21, 31, 32, 15, 1 through 4, 23, 16, 23 and 24, 18, 20 and 21. So, I mean, it just, it just goes through there and says, listen, straighten up. Stop acting stupid and speaking stupid, okay? But when you talk about integrity, because how many of you know our mouth gets us in more trouble than anything else. We agree to things or we uh, say things and then that's what we have to have to do. We have to abide by it. So we've got to grab a hold of it. We've got to have rule over our tongue. And, uh, you know, it's really hard for folks when you say no. 
Because the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. I have a hard time with that. I know that for me personally. But when you say no, you ever just tell somebody no and then they're waiting on the other end of the phone? Aren't you going to give me, aren't you going to tell me why? No. No. Just no. (laughs) And there's that awkward moment of, okay. (laughs) Just don't feel led. God doesn't love me. You don't need God doesn't want to. No, I just it's God's just not gonna use me. I'm just not the one to answer your prayer. Y'all are doing okay? Hallelujah. I can't wait to see this response on online and stuff. This is gonna be good. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm gonna have to pray for the person that told me to preach on this. This is interesting. I, I should have stuck to the just the legal legalities and things. Anyways, uh, here's the I, the second I in integrity is influence is that all of us have influence over somebody. All of us are influencing people around us, and we don't even know that and who we're doing. And uh, we're having, and with influence comes effects, and there's a cause and effect. And so we need to make sure that we're influencing people in the right way, that we have a good name, that we have these things that people know, you know what, if he did, is that our, our character is speaking and our influence is speaking so loud that people can hear without even hearing. They just know that what we're doing is speaking a lot more louder than what we're saying. And of course, our saying and our doing should connect together. Hallelujah. And uh, we need to be influencing people about the Lord Jesus Christ. That should be our greatest influence. I mean, people ought to know, well, yeah, he's a, he's a good man. Well, what does it mean by being a good man? Or she's a good person, you know. And uh, uh, this thing, a good woman, those kind of things there. We should have a greater influence and a greater effect upon people's lives. The T in it is your temple. That's your body. We need to be taking care of our body, which is the temple of God. Hallelujah. And it also means that we are, you know, giving that in praise and worship. We're magnifying the Lord. But we're taking care of ourselves because this is our only earth suit. Without this, we can't do anything on the earth. And God wants us to do that. Amen. Hallelujah. So we need to do that. Now we get crazy. Hallelujah. We do things. People want to, everybody has a, a new diet, new fad, new thing on how to take care of your body. Listen, take care of your own body. Know how to do what you need to do, okay? I'm not into any kind of fad or anything. And, and uh, you know, people always say, well, that's just because you have this kind of body. I didn't get my body and God gave me my body. The key is, is I know what my body needs or what it doesn't need. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm going to just walk in line with that. I'm trying to take care of them, try to get as healthy as I can. And you need to get as healthy as you can. Whatever works for you, works for you. Praise the Lord. Well, let's preach the gospel. Okay. <laughs> Amen. Enough said about that. And then the very last thing is yielding. Why is yielding, which simply means we're going to yield ourselves as instruments of righteousness, uh, you know, and allowing God to be God in our lives. Amen. We're going to yield ourselves unto him and, uh, uh, <clears throat> and, and build our character, build our lives in this, you know, because when we walk in this world, when we declare Jesus Christ and we want to preach the gospel to somebody, what we're doing is we're raising ourselves up saying we are children of God. We are part of the family of God. Amen? You know, when I said that about somebody saying that, you know, the church has no say, the church is a family. And if you're connected, then the church does have a say in your life because you're connected. Jesus should have a say in your life because you're connected to him. 
Amen. There ought to be some uh, evidence that you're saved. There ought to be some evidence that you've got some actions by it and what takes place. You know, uh, you know, we uh, take hold of the truths of the word of God and we should all have a stricter standard on ourselves than what anybody else should. It shouldn't matter what anybody else is trying to put a stand. Their standard should be so low because our standard is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's what it should be, you know. I mean, and here's the thing about it. How many of you ever had this that people always say, well, I'd go to church, but I know people who are Christians that are terrible. Well, join the club. We all know Christians that are terrible. We all know that all of us have messed up, you know. And, uh, but believe it or not, most people that will ever get changed by people's lives are going to be changed because of what you do, not by what you say. And more people, you know, in the world form their opinion about uh, how God is based on what people do, what Christians have done. In fact, it's so funny because I I think, I I don't know who it was, but it was a person in India who read the Bible and said, listen, I, I would go to Christianity in a heartbeat because of what your Bible says. But when I look and see everybody who's accepted your, your Christ over here and how they're acting, I don't want to be a part of that. Because one of the things that we usually do, and, then, and understand this, this is not putting it down, I mean, praise God who we are, is that once we get a hold of the truths of the word of God, we get born again, we start accepting Jesus, we start getting hold of the truth, God starts prospering, God starts blessing. We have a tendency to forget from where we've come and forget about the grace and the mercy that needs to be and wanting to reach out and still have the love of God. That's right. We're more concerned about how far we can go in God instead of taking so many people with us. <clears throat> Next phase. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> yeah. You know, and uh, because, you know, we've all heard this and we'll close, you know, with some of the things here. We've all heard these things here that say, well, I would come to church, but this happened or that happened. We, you know, I, I made this statement, I think one time in church, listen, I just like to have all the backsliders come back to God. I'd have to have all those people that are out there that have once came to God or once been in church that are not. If they'd all just, God would touch their lives. I mean, yes, we want new people to be born again. Yes, we want all that. But man, I'd be, as a pastor, I'd just like all the lost sheep to come and, and to get healed, you know. And, and it's funny because, you know, you hear this in most of the new churches that start up. They've got all of the ones that are hurt. And then God always raises up people and say, listen, let all the hurt and the main. And then he'll keep some and get them healed. And then, you know, it just does those things there. That, that's good. And I appreciate that. But I'd love to see all the other ones just get healed and take time for the word of God to heal them. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It would be so much more wonderful for folks to grab a... But they're not going to do that unless we walk in integrity, we walk in uprightness, and we walk with an ethics that says you can trust us. You can trust our word. You can trust that we're going to follow through if here's what we're going to do. Granted, there are, there are circumstances that manage You know, things happen through turn of events that you have to... Your word's not going to... It's like, hey, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, it didn't happen. It didn't work out. You know, but you just got to walk, you know, in, uh, in the best of your ability that you can. The Bible says, live at peace with all men as best as in you is. Amen. And here, the wonderful thing about it is God's going to help us walk. We're not going to be perfect in it. But thank God we've got to do it with our heart. 
Now, things that are, you know, we know that are against the law or not right, hey, that's no-brainers. Those are easy not to do. But where there's the gray areas. Amen? Those wonderful gray areas. We've just got to be above board and make sure, because the Bible says not only are we supposed to shun evil, the Bible tells you and me that we're supposed to shun the very appearance of evil. Amen? This is a good old pastoral smack you in the face thing, but it's all good because, <laughs> you know, we, we see things in what the Word of God, and the Word of God has things for us to do, and it's for our benefit, not to our detriment, it's our benefit. Because when you do the right thing because it is the right thing to do, you're going to reap the right result. God's going to take care of you. Amen? And it's so funny, just to give you with the exact amount, that when I uh, turned around, you know, I gave away half of my, uh, you know, what I got from my house, God gave me back the exact amount that I gave away from somebody else who came and gave it to me to buy a house. And I wasn't the senior pastor. I wasn't, you know, I was the assistant pastor at the time. And... uh, uh, I was, you know, doing things, and, and I remember they came, and they said, well, we, want to, we want to do this, and we want to do this for you. I said, and I told them, I said, well, why don't you do it for the pastor? He doesn't have a house. Why don't you do it for him? And they said, no, we want to do it for you, because God told us to do it for you. I said, well, I don't want to cause problems, because I don't want to think that I'm going around the back of the pastor, that this was going to happen. Now, it just so happened that this particular person who gave this didn't go to our church, but I didn't want to cause problems. So I went to the pastor and said, hey, I got a person wanting to give me X amount of dollars to purchase a house and do the things we need to do here. And, uh, but I can't do that unless it's your blessing because you know, I'm with you and I don't want to cause any problems. You know, and he was like, well, I don't know her. You know her. Praise God. Let's just, if she wants to give it to you, this is good. So, amen. So it all worked out wonderfully. But uh, you say, well, why would you do that? Why would you go and do that? Because I didn't want to cause problems. You know, I'm, because I'm there, and, and this is a person that's a Christian that's wanting to do things. And I wanted to make sure that, it, you know, and I would have given it to him. If he said, no, it would, it would have been fine. I would have been rejoicing that he got to get a house. Amen? But it was a turn of event. Because she did that, I was able to purchase a house. But by purchasing the house that I purchased, the church was able to uh, rearrange the things. We actually were able to buy another building for the church. It caused a whole chain of events. And because I honored, God honored. You know, and the rest is history, praise God. It turned out great. But we have a tendency to think, well, God's blessing me. God's doing this. Yeah, I know, but you need to make sure that it's God not going to bring a reproach or it's not going to bring a a snare down the road. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. You know, we've got to to take on it. And so uh, I, I got tons more. I jumped over and jumped around. Hopefully this made sense tonight. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you and praise you for your grace and mercy. Lord, I trust that I was able to share and talk and minister what you wanted to get across tonight. Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for these amazing folks that are here and all those that are watching. Lord, we just love you. We praise you. We thank you for it now. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.